Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 85, Finding Deliberate Practice Opportunities. That's right, today we're going to be looking at how you can give your participants during swim lessons and swim team a chance to engage in the best learning experience. I'm talking about deliberate practice. This is a conversation we've had before, but with the current implementation of challenges and games, there's a unique opportunity to discuss how effective that's been going during the coronavirus and 2020 practices. We'll look at how challenges have a benefit to deliberate practice, as well as games, scaffolding, routines, and what the role of the coach is. Join me. Let's get started. We are talking about deliberate practice in our swim lessons and swim team practices. Now, I want to give you an introduction of what deliberate practice is if you're not aware of it and how meditation can actually promote deliberate practice. And it essentially uh, allows an opportunity for participants to engage in deliberate practice. Uh, And then we'll talk about how it's kind of mixed together in our lessons and during our swim practices to give our participants the best chance at learning a new skill and mastering that new skill. Essentially, what we're talking about is how can we get swimmers, typically children, to engage in this really fundamentally life-changing skill called deliberate practice. Now, let's begin with the definition. Um, My favorite online that you can find is from jamesclear.com and his Beginner's Guide to Deliberate Practice. Now, I've referenced this before, so if you've heard this in a previous podcast episode, you should definitely check that out. Uh, But we're looking at uh, his definition here on the website says, while regular practice might include mindless repetitions... Deliberate practice requires focused attention and is conducted with the specific goal of improving performance. We're going to break that down a little bit as we go through and and how challenges and swim practices are designed and swim lessons to promote this opportunity to conduct their activities with focused attention to achieve a specific goal with the intent of improving performance. So let's first take a look at how we can um, go about providing these opportunities in practice. And I want to start with a a tangential introduction to what meditation is. Now, this podcast episode comes from a conversation I had with an assistant coach where I was looking at the practice we had written or I had written and was frustrated with the results. And I was really having a hard time getting my participants to put any effort into what we were doing. And it dawned on me that I was giving them too many answers. They were waiting for the coaches to tell them what to do instead of being self-directed and doing what they knew they should. And instead, so we have right now for coronavirus, we have three groups back to back for an hour each. And it's the same groups uh, doing the same practice. Uh, And it's because there's limited space. So we have seven kids at a time. So there's 21 people that practice and they're all doing the same practice. One each hour for three hours. So there's an opportunity for trial and error that is really unique to the situation. And I'm trying to take advantage of it. So the first class period was just a disaster. The second and third actually went quite well. And in part because of the uh, personality type of the participants, they were a bit more really invested and self-directed 
participants, swimmers. Uh, but in addition to that, the change in tactic really promoted or amplified that self-direction and deliberate practice. So at first, like I said, we were really doing a, a high focus on this is what you need to do. This is when you leave. Um, I'm going to tell you what our set is, and I'm going to tell you when to go. And then that didn't really give a lot of opportunity for the participants to do what they knew they should be doing on their own and then divert some of that energy into swimming well. So when we stepped back, when we stopped reading the sets to them, um, when we stopped um, hand-holding them, they tended, they actually did a lot better and were a lot more able to focus on improvement than when we were telling them all the minutia because then they just turned their brains off and let us tell them what to do. So that aside, um, the, fo the theme of the practice was meditation. And the first, the question of the day was meditation helps you do what? And there were four questions, four answers, or, and the correct answer was, it makes you train your brain. So it directs your thoughts. And our focused attention was on how can a swimmer improve using their thoughts to get better. And meditation, you might think, is focusing on breathing. It's not really that. It's meditation is training your brain to think the way you want it to longer. It's training the muscle that is your brain to focus on the things that you want it to focus on and not that shiny new object that is stimulating your brain with information that's really interesting and exciting because it's new and different. No. Meditation is, I want to focus on this. I'm going to ignore all these shiny, new, interesting stimuli, and I'm going to focus on, even if it's boring, the things that I want to be focusing on because my will is in control of what's happening. And that's essentially what deliberate practice is. It is aiming your attention, aiming your focus at something that may be mundane, it may be boring, it may be difficult, and the brain shies away from that. But we want to achieve improvement in swimming, we want to achieve mastery of this skill, so how can we do that? And the best way to do that is through deliberate practice, which incorporates a number of, of um, factors into it, but I think paramount in that is this meditation-like ability to remain focused on a specific goal or task. And that specific goal or task is the recognition of failure or the recognition of doing something wrong and making an attempt on the next opportunity to improve. Now, how do we do that? Um, I'm going to use a specific example uh, for our practice that we had, and I'm going to go into uh, the role of coaching, uh, how scaffolding and um, and, uh, and routine can promote that, and then we'll talk about how to apply it to swim lessons and how to apply it to swim team practices, and then what the role of the coach is in that situation, and then we'll wrap up our podcast. So to begin with, um, our goal for the practice that I'm talking about here was meditation, but we also showed a video on head position. So this was for freestyle head position. And we use YouTube quite often in our swim practices. We have a television. I write the practices on swimminglessonsideas.com, uh, log in onto the TV. It's an Amazon TV. And we show the actual practice. It's a 
post on the website and we use that to do our practices and you can embed YouTube videos there. So, uh, and if you want, you can do this on your own. You can sign up for the developmental swim practices. You can use our prepackaged, my prepackaged um, activities, challenges, lesson plans, everything uh, for all of our practices and all of our lessons uh, and use them if you want, or you can create your own. So we embed a YouTube video for head position and the video was talking about how beginners tend to look forward and look backwards with video examples of each. So their goal today was to recognize that they were doing that and swim with their head in a neutral, correct position where the waterline is hitting the middle of the crown of their head. So if you're familiar with freestyle, uh, this is uh, the faces in the water, maybe the ears, but the rest of the back of the head is not. Okay, so... Uh, we watched that video, we talked about meditation, and then I, the first group, terrible. Didn't do any uh, self-guided focus or um, improvement in their head position whatsoever. The second and third groups had extensive self-correction and focus. And I think then part of that, like I mentioned earlier, was that I, we stepped away, my assistant coach and I, from guiding them through every set and instead having them read the set and leave when they were supposed to without coach intervention. Instead, we focused on feedback, which I'm going to get into later. So uh, the deliberate practice here was getting them to get their head in the correct position, and they were recognizing it during their swims with lots of opportunities for freestyle uh, during the set and they were correcting it as they went with feedback from the coaches you did well you need to improve here's what you're doing stuff like that so um, that was the specific example to allow for deliberate practice we showed the video and then we had multiple opportunities for the swimmers to practice their freestyle while getting their head in the correct position right so we gave them a target they had an opportunity to do it, and then the coaches gave them feedback on how well or not they achieved that goal, in addition to all the other things like streamline kicking and all the rest. We've been following the same pattern throughout our practices here, and I'm going to mention this because it'll play into the scaffolding or the um, routine of lessons and swim teams. So generally, we always follow the same general pattern uh, and we've been doing this for the last five or six weeks, and we generally ha have a set pattern for the rest of uh, our seasons as well. There's a warm-up, a question of the day, we watch a skill video, and then we get into our sets. The sets are typically all the same um, for the day. So each set each day is not the same, and then we repeat it multiple times. So for example, yesterday the set was 625s, a 50, and then a 100. The 625s were all freestyle, the 50 was a kick, fly kick, and the 100 was a choice, no freestyle. And that gave them an opportunity. Our focus was on the freestyle, the head position. We had some kicking in there because it's always good to work on kicking. And then their 100 choice, not free, was their chance to kind of get out the stuff that they wanted to get out, like the if someone really likes breaststroke, they can do it then, or they really like backstroke, that's their chance to do it and to cool down. And then after every round, we would do a challenge. Challenges, I think, are one of the best ways to promote deliberate practice in a swim lesson or a swim team practice. And I say that because they are little microsms of 
deliberate practice. And let me tell you what I mean. So our most of the challenges we had yesterday were focused on uh, streamline and head position and just body position in general. And I've spoken this before. Episode number 83 was what are challenges and why are they replacing games? And they are excellent at providing deliberate practice opportunities. So they're little mini achievable things you can do that I'll start promoting in, a, in an avalanche here of deliberate practice. So the more challenges we do, the more hopeful I am that they're going to apply the same skills and thought processes to achieving those challenges in their actual swimming. And that's why they're getting a specific theme or improvement for the day. Head position was the video we showed at the beginning of the day. And it was a, it was a two, three minute video with just lots of examples of different head position. And then they did a lot of freestyle swimming, 625s. And then we did a challenge after the rest of their aerobic portion of their set. The first challenge was, can you swim or float on your stomach and lift your head up stay on the surface without using your hands. Now we all know what happens when you float on your stomach and lift your head up. You sink, right? Your feet sink, your body starts sinking. When you fall out of alignment, you sink to the bottom of the pool because um, you disrupt your buoyancy and so you start sinking. So how do they do that without using their hands? It's really hard, you have to kick a little bit and the challenge is to stay at the surface with your head raised on your belly. Now, most people instinctively, immediately use their hands to kind of push themselves up. And so that in the challenge is a fail. So like it's directly related here. You know, this, this challenge is directly related to the head position and freestyle. And then the second part of the challenge was to tuck your chin so that you're looking at your toes again on your stomach and not sink. Now, if they're moving at all, they'll sink. Uh, so if they do it in a stationary position, that one is actually quite easy. But again, that's a showing off. It's not. It's a challenge to show head too high is bad and head too low is bad, so find the happy medium. That in itself, that challenge, do this thing and achieve this goal, you have to employ deliberate practice to succeed. So in order to get a success, you have to think about what you're doing with specific intent to improve what happens when you do nothing or when you fail and use your hands. So you have to specifically think not to do this thing. And the challenge itself, you know, it doesn't really have a huge benefit to swimming overall. What it does have a huge benefit from is understanding that head lifting makes your legs sink. Lifting your head makes you sink to the bottom of the pool. And it makes you think how to think and how to approach a problem. So now when we move immediately from that challenge into our 625s of freestyle and their specific goal reinforced by the coaches is to have a good head position while they swim. That good head position is neutral in the water where the surface is pressing against the crown of their head. So their face is in, it's perpendicular to the bottom, but the back half of their head is out of the water. That's the goal. And it stays still when they swim while the body rotates around it, right? Now they have an experience and a winnable, you know, they, they have this small win that they can now apply to when they're swimming and the 625s. And that's where we want to see the deliberate practice when they're swimming in the 25. 
I want to see when I'm coaching on deck, a swimmer have a wrong head position. And then I want to see that light bulb go off in their head and they change it in the middle of their swim. That's what makes me the happiest. That's what I'm looking for. That's where that deliberate practice opportunity comes from. And I believe that the challenge before it encourages that behavior in the middle of a set. So that's kind of the long, long uh, description here of where challenges fall into um, providing deliberate practice opportunities. And that was that specific goal as an example. So I encourage you to think, how can you build small, achievable wins in your swim lessons and your swim team practices that will promote deliberate practice opportunities in their swimming and in their lessons. So a lot of it leads begins with what the coach is doing. Let's talk about the role of the coach or the swim instructor. They have two roles. Role number one is to introduce and guide activities. So the choice of your lesson plan format, if you're going from going underwater to supported front glides to unsupported front glides, that progression is a good progression because it starts with a really achievable win. It starts with a fairly simple activity, and then it leads up to the actual true goal, which is the unsupported front glide. Now, maybe you have to modify that for your participant, but choosing, knowing what to choose and what order is the first step of an effective coach and an effective swim instructor. The second one is using routines uh, to get that done. I guess that's connected to the first. But the second one is during the participant's participation, <laughs> during the swimmer's uh, swimming time, when the swimmer swims, during the swimmer's um, turn, the coach, this is the second one, the second role of a coach or a swim instructor in a practice or a lesson, when the swimmer is doing something, the coach or the instructor is giving feedback based on the demonstrated behavior of the participant. So let's put that in a real world, world example. You have a swim lesson and the swimmer pushes off the wall in an unsupported front glide with their head up and they jump up in the air. And we know what's going to happen. They're going to fall down and then they're going to sink. So we recognize what they did. When they get to the instructor, we pick them up and we say, hey, you just jumped off the bench. That made you sink. Don't do that. Instead, put your hands on the surface, put your face in the water, and then push off gently. And you know, if you're a swim instructor, you'll know that it's going to be a smooth glide across the surface, and it's not going to be a jump up, which will immediately lead into a sink down, like a big sine wave or S shape. Instead, we're going to have a nice smooth horizontal glide, and they'll get back to the wall quicker, easier, and with more efficiency. So the second role of the coach is to observe the swimmer, recognize what they're doing, and give specific feedback on that swimmer's failures or successes, and either promote the success or give an alternative for the failure. And I encourage you to, uh, this is where uh, our, the, the, the difference in the two pract three practices was really most apparent. Because we were spending such a high amount of time and energy on just getting the swimmers to do what we wanted them to do by telling them when to go, by reading off what the set was, we 
drained their attention or willingness to learn from the coaches, so we couldn't provide feedback during their swims. When we had the swimmers that we, you know, told them to read the board and then let them know when we would begin with an appropriate amount of time to read and ask questions, then they were a lot more receptive and the coaches had a lot more energy to give feedback on what they were doing during the set. And that is what promotes deliberate practice because when you have someone watching you and saying, you know what, on the last 25, your head was moving all over the place, brain that in and focus on what we're doing, then the next 25, they do that generally. Or if they don't streamline, you stop them, you tell them, okay, you need to streamline or have them go back to the wall and do it again. Um, those are all times when the coach, the instructor is recognizing or showing, um, observing something and then giving feedback based on what they showed. And we know that deliberate practice is amplified its best when you have someone watching over you, holding you accountable, watching for those mistakes that you make and providing you with alternative actions for you to take so you can more easily slip through improvement. They can watch you and uh, that's what the benefit of a coach is, right? That's why you go to a teacher, a private lesson instructor. That's why you're doing this because they have experience in guiding people through to mastery and the participant, if they're willing to listen to that improvement or feedback from a coach or a instructor, then they're going to improve quickly or faster than as if they were doing it on their own. So that's the role of the coach, the swim instructor during lessons. The scaffolding or the routine, right? So that's the final step here. The more you have things that are the same, format, broad strokes, so like the um, metal scaffolding that holds up giant buildings, the I-beams, they're all the same in every building for the most part, then how you rearrange the floors, that's what's different. Same with swim lessons, same with swim team. Provide a similar scaffolding, so clear expectations. Every day we do a warm-up, and then we do some swimming, aerobic swimming, and then we review streamlining position 11, and then we do a question of the day, and then we watch a video, and then we do an aerobic set, and then we have a challenge, and then an aerobic set, and then a challenge, and then an aerobic set. That format stays the same, but the pieces, the decorated, the floors in the building are all different. So maybe one floor is a, I don't know, an office building, and then the other floor is a day spot, and then the next floor is a restaurant, and then the next floor is apartments, right? So the way each floor is decorated is different. Same with what you do in each aerobic set can be different. What you do in each challenge can be different. Swim lessons, same idea. We do our rotation method between benches, that's our scaffolding, that's our routine. What we do when we're going from bench to bench repeatedly can change. Front glides, back glides, fly kick, kicking with support, kicking without support, kicking with a kickboard, kicking without a kickboard, using fins, not using fins, toys, uh, hula hoops. You know, there are all these multiple things that we can do that allow for us to give variety and stimulation while still maintaining the scaffolding and the routine so we can quickly move into those complicated things without disrupting the overall flow of our lessons. And this ties back to this class that we had the other day. The routine didn't change, right? We've been following the same routine for five weeks here. What changed is what me and my assistant coach were doing for our swimmers. We were giving, spoon feeding them everything. 
And that was the problem. We should have trusted them to follow the practice as written as they could read and allow them to work their own way through it with guidance on go on this time, you know, here's your opportunity to ask questions. Here's your opportunity to understand what's happening. And then this is when you're expected to begin the set, right? Given those things, that's very minor interaction from the coach's perspective. Instead of saying, ready, go, ready, go every 45 seconds. If you have an established routine, if you have a framework for success, then providing deliberate practice opportunities is going to be easier in your lessons and your swim practices because they'll be baked into the design of those practices and lessons. There's a really easy formula you can follow for swim lessons to provide deliberate practice. We use it in our swim lessons uh, that you can buy online. We use it in our classes that we run out of our facility. Activity, activity, challenge. Do something, build on it, take a break with the challenge. Do something else, build on that other thing, do another challenge. Return to that first activity, make it a little bit harder, make it even a little bit harder, and then provide a challenge. Front glides. Front glides with kicking, challenge. Front glides with kicking, arm strokes with front glides, challenge. Standing arm strokes. Arm strokes while kicking and gliding in the water, challenge. I just listed a, uh, some progressions here following this pattern. Challenges can be super simple. Do a flip. Touch the bottom. Put your belly button on the bottom of the pool. Lay on your back for five seconds. Put five toes above the water without holding on to anything. Put 10 toes above the water without holding on to anything. It can be pretty simple. These are, these are just resettable challenges that provide a specific goal or a task that is a little bit difficult, but still likely for everyone to accomplish. Celebrate the success. Encourage them to think about it on their own. Don't solve the problem for them. Give them a, a hurdle. Give them a, um, a challenge to do, and then watch them solve it on their own. And then when you get back to the next activity, put a roadblock in front of it. Oh, we're going to go two body lengths instead of one. Front glide with kicking. You know how to do front glide with kicking. Just do it a little bit further. So using the feedback or using the structure, using the um, scaffolding of activity, activity challenge, you can promote deliberate practice opportunities in your lessons. You can do that in your swim team too. Do a set, have it a little bit varied so it's somewhat interesting break it up with the challenge, and then do that same set again, maybe making minor changes to it. And you can write your practices to do this. Now, the more advanced that your swimmers are going to be, the less challenges you should be doing with them because they need more uninterrupted aerobic and um, sprint conditioning, right? So, But you can still do them as a part of your practices. And I encourage you to look at that and how you can work that into your lessons and into your practices. I want to know what you thought of today's podcast. Did you find this useful? Are you motivated to go investigate what deliberate practice is? And do you think you have a handle on how to provide that to your lessons and your practices? Let me know if you have any questions. You can ask them by clicking on the ask a question button at the bottom of every page at swimminglessonsideas.com. Or if you want, you can go to anchor.fm slash swimmingideas and click on 
ask a question. Right there, it's prominent on the top of the page. Leave a voice message on the website and I will get back to you with an answer in a podcast form. I hope that your lessons are going well, that you are safe, you're happy, and you are doing uh, well. So that it twice. Uh, take care, and tomorrow we can teach better lessons together. Thank you.